Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. When we read a verse from the Bible, particularly from an Old Testament book like Jeremiah, there's usually a fairly clear and straightforward meaning. For example, take Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 8 and 9. Blessed is the man who trusts in Jehovah and whose trust Jehovah is, and he will be like a tree transplanted beside water, which sends out its roots by a stream and will not be afraid when heat comes, for its leaves remain flourishing. On the surface, we read and come away with the thought that if we trust in the Lord, he surely will bless us. Wonderful. And certainly accurate according to the truth of this verse. But there is another equally accurate and yet far more profound understanding that can be gleaned from such verses. It is this deeper and more intrinsic aspect that beckons our consideration and fellowship on this life study program. Bob Danker has joined us today. Bob, I think this program has at least the potential to be one that it could revolutionize the way we approach and understand Scripture. I agree, Chris. When we read the Bible the thing we need the most is to get into the deeper significance of what we're reading. There's always that which is on the surface that's apparent and even somewhat obvious that's easy for us to understand. But if we would receive the Lord's mercy, we would open ourselves to him and allow him to take us below the surface of the scriptures. There we have another viewpoint. You know, Bob, sometimes people might even accuse someone taking this position or this stance approaching Scripture and saying, oh, but you're reading too much into it. You're trying to create meaning where there is none. But I tell you, I think for our listeners, at least who have been with us in this life study of Jeremiah, when we connect verses like these ones we just read to chapter 2, verse 13, where the Lord reveals himself as the fountain of living waters, there's so much more here than just, well, if I trust in God, he'll bless me. I might get a new car, a new job new wife, whatever blessing we may be seeking. There's this intrinsic underlying element, which we have now identified and referred to so frequently in this ministry as God's economy. And once we've seen it, it's just virtually inescapable. It's everywhere, isn't it? It's everywhere, Chris, everywhere in the Bible. In fact, the entire Bible is a book of God's economy. We see it on every page, in every chapter, and in every book. And we're blessed This is the real blessing (laughs) that we could see God's economy and enter into it and participate in it and experience it. Okay, then I'll put you on the test in 30 seconds. Give us a thumbnail of what we mean when we say God's economy. Well, God's economy, Chris, is really God's plan or God's administration or arrangement whereby he, the 
triune God dispenses himself into our being to fill us, to saturate us and permeate us with himself, to make us one with him and to make himself one with us and to make us the same as he is in life, nature, and expression and to build us together into a corporate entity, the body of Christ in this age Mm -hmm. and the new Jerusalem in eternity. Well, I think that uh, sets up very well where we're going in our program today. We're in Jeremiah, as I said, 17, and uh, that passage begins this way. It says, Thus says Jehovah, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart turns away from Jehovah, and he will be like a shrub in the desert and will not see when good comes. But he will dwell in the parched places in the wilderness, a land of salt and uninhabited. Then, of course, this wonderful passage which we just read, Blessed is the man who trusts in Jehovah and whose trust Jehovah is, and he will be like a tree transplanted beside water, which sends out its roots by a stream and will not be afraid when heat comes, for its leaves remain flourishing, and it will not be anxious in the year of drought and will not cease to bear fruit. My wonderful passage now that we see it in the light of God's economy, isn't it? Absolutely, Chris. All right, let's join Witness Lee with his portion, and we'll have a chance to talk some more about him. Jeremiah chapter 17, 5 to 8. This is a good portion of the word. Such a portion of the word could be understood by us in two ways. First, in the way without seeing God's economy. Just thinking, well, if we trust in God, God will bless us. We will enjoy God's blessing. But this figure of speech does not indicate that little. It indicates much more according to God's economy. This is the second way to understand such a word. Uh, what this picture indicates, here's a tree planted by the side of the river, the water again. I would ask you to whom this river or this water refer to. Surely to the fountain of the living water. Okay, the tree grows by the side of such water. By what way? By absorbing, by absorbing all the riches of the river into the tree itself. Could you see this? And this is what? This is God dispensing. And uh, this thought of planting is also there in the New Testament. Paul says, I planted uh, Apollos water. And the watering is for the trees absorbing. And the absorbing is just to receive God's dispensing. Eventually the tree grows with God as a supplier. And the supply is the riches of these supplying God dispensed into the plant. So the plant grows into God's measure. Eventually, the plant and God, God and the plant are one. The same in the element, essence, in the constitution, in the appearance. These few verses actually refer to God's economy. 
carried out by heat dispensing. It is not uh, just that shallow, well, if we trust in God, God will bless us. That's right. Bless us in what way? Why he didn't say, if we trust in God, God will give us a big house, a good car? House and car could not be dispensed into our being. Only the living water can be drunk into our being to be our very constituent. We all have to see this. Bob, it just strikes me how marvelous the Bible is. We have the Old Testament full of these graphic illustrations of God's economy. And the New Testament, as he quoted Paul here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, saying almost the same thing. The Lord Jesus in John chapter 7 makes reference to a similar thought. We have the New Testament really developing these uh, pictures in the Old Testament of God's economy, don't we? That's right. God's economy is in both Testaments. In picture form, we can see it in the Old Testament, Yeah. in its development. Right. And in plain and clear words, we can see it in the New Testament. And it's marvelous to have the Old Testament pictures. As many have said, a picture is worth a thousand words. If we could see a picture of God's economy, what a help it is. And this is a picture. This verse clearly says that the man who trusts in Jehovah is like a tree transplanted beside water. Well, what is the water here? <laughs> it has to be Jehovah. Yeah, the fountain of living waters. It has to be the waters. fountain of living waters that was mentioned earlier in the book. Right. God is the living water. And he is a fountain on the one hand, and he is a river on the other hand. And we are the tree or the plant that is transplanted beside this wonderful God as the water of life. Now, what should we do according to God's economy? We should simply absorb the riches that are in this supply of living water in this triune God who is living water. This is a marvelous picture of God's economy. If we would be so simple to trust in the Lord in this way and experience him Mm -hmm. in this way, then we will always be flourishing like a tree, a flourishing tree, and always bear fruit no matter what the environment is that we are in. This is a tremendous picture, uh, and it shows us what is in God's heart. Earlier in the slide study, perhaps you even were here with us today, uh, we somewhat traced this history of God being presented to man as a fountain, as a river flowing from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Uh, That's a stirring view to be first confronted with when, you know, a new believer, a young believer, or maybe one who's been a believer for years and just never seen this thread through Scripture. But it's so consistent, and it seems the Lord again and again makes this kind of reference to himself and how he wants to be to man. That is true, Chris. From Genesis chapter 2 to Revelation 22, God is portrayed in the Scriptures as a flowing fountain of living water or a flowing river of living water for us to drink, to enjoy, and to be saturated with this wonderful God. Well, now that we have very much established the foundation of God's economy and what we mean, I think when we touch now a passage also in Jeremiah 17 that may be more familiar to our listeners, it will take on a bit of a different 
connotation. And that's what our hope is here today. I'm in verse 9 now, 9 through 11. And this is a verse I think many people have heard and quoted and maybe have not even realized where it was from. The heart is deceitful above all things. That's Jeremiah 17, 9. And it is incurable. Who can know it? I, Jehovah, search the heart and test the inward parts, even to give each one according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds, as a partridge broods over what she has not laid. A man makes riches, but not rightly. In the midst of his days, they will leave him, and at his end, he will be a fool. This is man's heart, isn't it, Bob? It certainly is. What a picture. But in God's economy, there is a kind of a hope that even springs out of this sort of desperate condition that man's heart is in. And that is, if we jump ahead in the book to chapter 31, we find verse 33, I will put my law within them and write it upon their hearts. So even in the context of man's heart being desperately wicked, once we see God's economy, there's even hope for man's heart, isn't there? Marvelous. Well, let's go back to Witness Lee. Now, we come to uh, the deceitful and incurable heart of man and the uh, searching test and reward of Jehovah. Brother Francis, would you read to us? The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is incurable. Who can know it? I, Jehovah, search the heart and test the inward parts, even to give to each one according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. As a partridge broods over what she has not laid, a man makes riches but not rightly. In the midst of his days they will leave him, and at the end he will be a fool. How do you interpret this word? No way, but by taking this speaking one into you. This kind of saying is also referring to God's economy with his dispensing. Yes, man's heart is fallen, it is deceitful, it is incurable, but if you go on chapter 31, there you could see such a heart could be uh-huh, a tablet for God to write his inner law on it. It is deceitful. It is not curable. But God has a way to put himself into man, and he himself, a man, will spread from the spirit into the heart. And the heart will be a tablet for God to write himself with all his riches on this heart. So this again refers to God's economy and dispensing. Bob, so much now comes into play. Man's incurable, wicked heart, how can it possibly ultimately become a receptacle where God can write himself? This is a great miracle, (laughs) but it is something that is in God's economy. God has a way by entering into man. Once God is in a human being, even though that human being has a deceitful and incurably wicked heart, God has a way to spread himself from our spirit into our heart, to renew our heart, and even to give us a new heart, and to write himself as the law of life into our heart to make us 
just the same as he is. This is God's economy, is to transform us from within. When we look at ourselves and we consider our incurably wicked heart, we are surely tempted to be disappointed (laughs) and to uh, discouraged and to give up hope. But in God's economy, there is hope, and this hope is just the living God himself who enters into us and then spreads himself from our spirit into our heart, writing himself as a living law into our inner being and transforming us inwardly to be the same as he is. What a tremendous (laughs) transformation this is, and this is God's economy. Bob, I'm appreciating this uh, just to hear it, but on the other hand, I had a realization that this really needs to be incorporated into our presentation of the gospel. This elevates the gospel to another level, doesn't it? I mean, on the one hand, of course, we have the redemptive aspect that's implied here. God is uh, cleansing us even in our despicable, deceitful, fallen condition so that he can do this writing work. But our gospel shouldn't be limited just to this initial aspect, should it? I agree, absolutely. Uh, just to be cleansed and forgiven of our sins, it, although it is wonderful, is not enough. It's because of our incurable heart. Our heart needs to be changed And the only way is for God to enter into us and write himself into our hearts. I think a seeking unbeliever who, you know, has come to the point of faith would respond to this. It just answers so many questions and instills such hope beyond the fact that just you're forgiven, your destiny is, you know, to be eternally with God. There is something very practical, very applicable here that everyone needs to hear. I agree absolutely, Chris. Uh, There's another aspect of uh, the Old Testament dispensation that is brought out in this chapter that we're going to see in this last portion today also has uh, a connection, a linkage, and is incorporated into God's economy. Later in this chapter, chapter 17, beginning in verse 21, we read, Thus says Jehovah, Take heed to your souls and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring anything through the gates of Jerusalem. And do not bring out any burden from your houses on the Sabbath day, nor do any work, but sanctify the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath, Bob, uh, many people are puzzled by this matter. Some feel quite strongly about it in an outward way. Now we're going to see it also incorporated into God's economy. Here's Witness Lee again. In chapter 17, you have the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? What is the significance of Sabbath? Sabbath signifies that God has done everything. He has completed everything. He has prepared everything. He has consummated everything for us to enjoy. So you have to stop your work on that day. If on that day you will work, this is a profane matter to God. So to drink the fountain of even water is to take God in as your enjoyment. And to sanctify God's Sabbath is to stop your work just to take what God has done for you. And this is New Testament. In New Testament, we do have these two aspects. One aspect is just to receive God as the living water for our enjoyment, and the other aspect to stop our work. Don't do anything. Your doing is an insult to God. 
an insult to God's accomplishment. God has accomplished everything ready for you to enjoy, to enter into his eternal enjoyment. You know, in the whole New Jerusalem, there's no hint that we will do any kind of work there. No work, but drinking, praising, enjoying, and rejoicing. So you could see God's New Testament economy is fully implied in this portion. Bob, he's absolutely right, isn't he? At the conclusion of the whole divine revelation, the New Jerusalem, there's no work there, but there sure is a river there, isn't there? <laughs> there certainly is. There's a river of water of life for all of us to drink, to enjoy, because God has prepared everything. He has accomplished everything, completed everything, and there's nothing for us to do except to receive and enjoy what he has prepared. You know, uh, in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, of course, we remember that after God completed his work of creation in six days, he mm-hmm. rested. Right. And God's seventh day was man's first day. Mm. So man immediately entered into God's rest to enjoy everything that God had prepared for him. This is a tremendous picture of God's economy and God's salvation. You know, before we are saved, before we enter into God's economy, we are working hard. Yeah for satisfaction, to find something that satisfies us. We're toiling under a heavy burden. And in Matthew 11, verse 28 here, the Lord said, You who are toiling and are burdened, come to me, and I will give you rest. We need rest. Man needs rest. Man is under a heavy burden to meet all his own needs, to satisfy himself, and so forth, which he can never do. Yeah, that's the Sabbath from the New Testament point of view, isn't it? That Matthew that is. 11. The Lord's calling in Matthew 11 is to really enter into God's Sabbath rest, which is Christ himself. Christ himself. So what God has prepared for us is Christ with his redemption, his salvation. Now all we need to do is enjoy what God has prepared. If we work after we are saved, that is an insult to God Mm. and a real offense against God's economy because in God's economy he has done everything. Now we just enjoy what he has done. Even in the um, beginning, that early picture you referenced in Genesis, before sin entered, man was just there in the garden by the river and the tree of life was there and everything was provided, wasn't there? There was no work seen and the work started after man was expelled from the garden and had to start tilling the ground. Exactly, that is exactly right. Man just was an enjoyer there. But when sin came in, of course, man's situation changed and then he became a worker. But then in God's salvation, man becomes an enjoyer again. And this is where we want to be. And once again in the New Jerusalem at the very end is Christ as the tree of life and the river of life flowing in the midst of the city. And uh, we are just there enjoying, absorbing, I think, probably for eternity. For eternity. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, I had high hopes for this program. I've not been disappointed. I don't know about you, Bob. Nor have I, Chris. This matter of God's economy is truly a marvelous thing. It certainly is. So we uh, trust this has been... uh, more than just a shallow outward blessing for you. We hope you have really touched and tapped into God's economy as you've listened to this program. Certainly, we'd like to recommend the printed Life Study message for this one and this entire volume that has all of the Life Study messages for both Jeremiah and Lamentations. 
So if you'd like to contact us about how to get this printed volume or to share any fellowship that you would like with us here at Living Stream, our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. Bob, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. And for Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Whether you're hearing this program via radio, online, or as a podcast, you'll find hundreds of audio studies just like this one by visiting our website, lsmradio.com. We also hope you'll email us with your questions or comments, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening. Was Jesus simply a great religious leader? The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. Based on the scriptures, the religious people were looking for a great leader, but Jesus was introduced to them as a little lamb with a little dove. The lamb is for redemption, to redeem fallen man back to God. And the dove is for life-giving, for anointing, to anoint man with what God is, to bring God into man and man into God. Both the lamb and the dove are needed for man to participate in God. Scripture, John 1.29 and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.